0: Art Speaks, a program presented by the William King Museum of Art in Abingdon, Virginia. I'm your host today, Anna Buchanan, and our guest today is Jocelyn Matthews. Jocelyn is a mixed media visual artist exploring chronic illness and alternative photographic processes. Jocelyn is based out of Johnson City, and she also runs her own gallery out of her dining room. So, Jocelyn, how are you today? I'm doing all right, thank you. Wonderful well who are you and where are you from
1: oh my gosh I where I originally hail from or where you hail from now wherever
0: your heart says you're from <laughs> you
1: know I have to say that I think my heart is in these mountains because where I grew up um, mm-hmm. I actually grew mm-hmm. up further up the mountains in Massachusetts and my family used to always vacation up in New Hampshire where the the white mountains of Appalachia are and I have a lot of Really good memories there. And so when we moved down here about 10 years ago, I kind of felt like, oh, this is like where I was from, except hotter. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I really love the rolling landscape. I'm, I am identify as being from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also have a family mm-hmm. and I've been interested in art ever since I was a kid.
0: So mm-hmm. that's me. So how long have you been creating when you say you've been interested in it when did you first start creating
1: some of my first
0: memories of
1: making art are actually in my mom's studio Mm. she studied fine art at boston university Um, she was never like a really big practicing studio artist but she did have her own creative practice and she also Mm. gave private lessons for drawing and um, painting and and then she taught us i was homeschooled so Mm. I mean, her space was, like, filled with books and random paints and stuff, and she would she would come up with stuff for us to do. And so I have all of these memories of her um, just teaching me how to do, like, um, shoot, calligraph printmaking mm-hmm. and – Teaching me how to draw things. I always, as a kid, you're like, you want people to draw you stuff to color in and yes. things like that. So she would draw me like princesses and stuff, because that's <laughs> what you do apparently, or superheroes. <laughs> and um, and so there were always art supplies lying around my house, and we were home a lot because we were all homeschooled. So, so it was very integrated into my life as a kid. I didn't have to go to a class somewhere, and that mm. has continued on in my life where it's just like. Why doesn't everybody have a giant set of colored markers in their house? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm always constantly looking for a pen, and like why don't you have a giant stack of paper that you can just make stuff out of? Mm-hmm. So that that's carried through um, from like my interest as a kid, and I did study art um, in college and also literature. So.
0: Ooh. Yes <laughs> well, that gives me some insight into the text that you bring into your work, too. that's that's nice. yes.
1: yes, i I actually have a two degrees. I have an English literature degree and a fine art degree.
0: Woo, so yeah
1: you? <laughs> well, because they're they're sort of the same. Mm-hmm, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, it was like writing and telling a story is about characters and creating a world. And behind that world is a philosophy of existence. and, these larger issues of who we are as humans and visual arts is doing that just like in a totally different medium. So Mm -hmm. those two things felt, you know, the intersection of that practically for me was that I had a long career as a graphic designer and as a photographer for telling people's stories. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how that manifested to me in the, in the commercial realm.
0: Wow. So what does it mean to you to be a contemporary artist?
1: It means, okay, if you're a contemporary artist, you are somebody who has um, a dedicated art practice doing something, (laughs) (laughs) and that could be music, that could be, um, I mean, it could be film, it could be animation. I have a very broad idea of arts and creativity because I've worked in the intersection of the commercial realm and also the fine art world, Mm -hmm. and... Each of those things has their place, and they're all important. Mm -hmm. And that that is really, if you're alive right now and you're making stuff, that is what it means to be a contemporary artist. You know, you are contributing
0: to the collective creativity of the world.
1: Mm -hmm. So,
0: But you mentioned that intersection of commercial and, and fine art, and I always feel like commercial is not seen as fine art, but I feel like it definitely can be. It can be. And and there's different forces at work. You know, commercial
1: work is its own creative set of creative problems. It's a lot more defined because it follows a pattern of here's a creative brief, here are the frameworks, and we need you to do this in this way. And some artists are really easily adaptable to that and really enjoy working that way. I sort of call that like a project based mentality. And then there's this other framework where you have to come up with the idea and then form the framework around it. It's a little not that that's the only way to, you know. It's not a pure dichotomy, but if you're just f- focused on making work that is coming out of your own set of ideas and you're looking for the medium or looking for the framework, you have to you have to place some limitations on it. I'm going to make it in this medium. I need to I want it to be for this specific audience or for these people. And so no matter what you're making, you're putting a framework around it. And so the commercial process is like that, except other people are putting those frameworks around you.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: challenge is, what can I make in that framework? Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, if you're just doing it purely for yourself or for some self-driven project, you get to create those frameworks for yourself. But it's a similar, it's a more exploratory process. Mm-hmm. It's a little less fixed. But I see them as being very, very similar.
0: Mm-hmm. What has been your inspiration lately, or you can talk about, you know, your current artistic practice, because I know sometimes inspiration and artistic practice, sometimes those things can go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I actually really enjoy following the seasons. Mm. My, My art practice sort of unintentionally ebbs and flows and moves through different mediums throughout the year, mostly because... One of my, my main loves is cyanotype printmaking. Ooh. And I, I do have a little light box that I can make prints with when it's cloudy or in the winter when the sun's not out. But um, I almost feel like the cyanotype printmaking process for me is a lot like the way people talk about fishing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you get all your gear ready, and you set yourself up, and then you go out, and and you see if you can make some prints because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it's weather dependent. The fish may or may not be there, and then you might get to bring them home, but sometimes you gotta just release them all because it's a crapshoot, right? <laughs> so, so that's that's like what my summer work is like. Is I'm kind of like I'm trying to dance around the the circumstances in order to make these larger prints because, um, in the summertime the intensity of the sun makes the printmaking process really fast. Um, I I also my art gets folded into my domestic life, mm-hmm. which is that I actually use the weeds out of my garden. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to do the weeding, so I mm-hmm. might as well make some prints out of it, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> not only am <laughs> I doing, doing home maintenance and making art kind of at the same time, and that's... Um, that to me feels like a like almost almost a political statement, maybe not quite. I but think so. I think so. Uh, there's something there. Yeah. So I take those prints and like they're not they're not super technical. They're not, you know, sometimes I get interrupted and they get neglected outside and they overprint and they're imperfect. But then I take them and I cut them up and I make these constructed mountains, mountain pieces, or I use them to collage on top of them and other things. So um you know i have this very improvisational thing that happens in the summer but then come winter and i i don't I'm not able to get out i sort of shift to either fiber work or collage or um or maybe more technical printmaking where i'm working with a negative and it needs to be like dust free and i can't let dirt go all over it or mm-hmm. something like that so i follow that's what my creative process looks like and a lot of it is just like totally immersed in my home life because I work out of my home, too. Mm-hmm. It's like my I have a darkroom sink in my garage. My bedroom is my studio. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of art supplies lying all over
0: the place. Mm-hmm. So, that's so you're not only an artist, but you are also a curator, a fellow curator. Yay! Can you talk to me about your Eat Art Space? And what is it? How did it come about? Okay, Eat Art Space
1: is the, um, the brainchild of the pandemic. I like to say that because <laughs> when everything closed down and so many of my artist friends had shows that were gonna happen and then totally didn't because we couldn't be open, I, I found myself in the process of photographing my work in order to get it ready to try to put out there for some opportunity or for some show or to sell it. And I usually, I use my home to do that and like pick a nice sunny spot or whatever and to photograph it in to make it look nice and get people you know interested in buying it and then all of a sudden I thought well I'm doing this for myself and I'm hanging stuff in my dining room in order to photograph it for sale so who says I can't sell other people's work out of this same space because we're all stuck (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and there's so many artists who don't have a lot of space or they don't have the resources to photograph things or it's just so it's so overwhelming to them to sell stuff and like i can do websites and i have played with social media and like what the heck i'll just give this a try so um so i took all of my like energetic frustration and painted my dining room white so that people's work could pop out of the walls and just started inviting people to to do instagram live with me and facebook live and to sell their work and to collaborate with me and And it was fun. I mean, it was a way to stay connected during the pandemic. It was a way to keep the community in touch with what the artists were doing. That we were still making work. That that our work was valuable, and that um, gave us something to do when we were all stuck. Mm -hmm. So as as things progressed, I just thought, you know, we in our region we do have a, a large like arts infrastructure. But there aren't as many independent galleries, and it's really hard to support, um, you know, the, the footprint of a retail space and still give the artists the majority of the revenue from from that type of space. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna just charge a really low commission, just to, just to cover my time and stuff, and. If you make a sale, great. If not, great. I get to have beautiful art in my home. I get to invite people in now Ooh. and have a giant party and feed people, which I totally love doing. I love connecting with people and hosting people. So this project actually like feeds me <laughs> quite a bit because I love having people over and I love talking with artists. And so this is a way for me to to feed those two things, and then also invite the community in to share in that sort of like artistic meal, both literally and figuratively. What's so, the literal part? What's well, the, the part? literal part is that I cater from a local restaurant.
0: Ooh. So um,
1: I, I rotate through restaurants and I bring food in. And so you get to basically like come have like a giant dinner party at my house.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you're curating
1: food and art. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really just like, oh, you know, this. I know that this place makes good such and such, and I want to try it. Mm-hmm. And again, like, it ends up serving me because I just like going out and trying new things. And then I just invite other people to come and try it with me. So,
0: yeah. Do you recall any responses, some of the very first responses that you got when you proposed this idea to people? Um... I did have a
1: couple of restaurants. Restaurants are busy people. So mm-hmm. I tend to not pester them very much because God bless them. They're really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, usually, usually the restaurants are they're just thrilled to get orders and to have their name because people need to know about really good food. and people are always looking for good food. Mm-hmm. So um, so the 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 website, will usually have, like, a picture of their food and links to, like, order stuff, and if people don't get a chance to come to the reception and actually try their food, the information is there, Um, and then for the artists, like, I mean, most people, most emerging artists are generally thrilled, and the gallery is really for the emerging artist, the artist who is maybe more, like, community-minded and whose work is, like, under development. Mm -hmm. So this functions a lot like an incubation space for emerging artists of all ages.
0: This is Art Speaks, a program presented by the William King Museum of Art in Abingdon, Virginia. I'm your host today, Anna Buchanan, and our guest today is Jocelyn Matthews. You are listening to WEHC on 90.7 FM. So Jocelyn, what is it about your Eat Art space that invites people in compared to an institutional space?
1: I mean, how can you not be invited to somebody's house and have that be a personal thing? Mm-hmm. I lo- I, as a kid, I always loved going over to other people's houses and hanging out, and it always felt really special to be able to just spend time with people in their space. To be invited there is kind of an honor and a privilege, and so I, I want people to feel that to feel like no, you can come in and eat my food and and be welcomed. And so hospitality is a huge part of that. And just the the function of it being a private home is makes it that way. And and the fact that because it's a private home, I have to keep the address a little bit on the down low, you know, right. it it makes it feel a little bit like a speakeasy, right? So yeah. you've got to be in the know <laughs> to get in. Um but of course like I welcome everybody, right? Like it's right. you can just text me and be like Hey, can I show up? And I'll be like, yeah, here, park over there, you know? And so, um, you know, it's by, it's by design pretty intimate and pretty personal um, because the space isn't huge and because you can, you can walk into my home and you can see my couch. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know very many galleries where there's just like a random couch that <laughs> you can sit down and chill on or even take a nap. Um, and also, you know, the space is kid friendly too, mm-hmm. uh, partly because I myself have kids Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I've I kept toys around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I'll be like, hey, you guys, go and make friends with so-and-so. And so, that you know, it's very much about, like, we're making new friends. We're having people over. We're um, doing hospitality together.
0: Yeah. What do you think institutions can do to be more hospitable? Because I always say, like, especially William King here, we always say, You know, sometimes we look like a haunted house on the hill with the big columns and the, you know, (laughs) and and like the, I mean, and a lot of institutions have the big columns and the big, all the stairs. And so then it looks like it's not even accessible for some people. So what, what would you say to institutions, you know, to make them feel more welcoming? That's a really tough question. And I don't know that I have the answers for that. Mostly because,
1: you know, you can't really get away from being a big intimidating building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um I I do think that making sure that we appeal to younger generations, and by that I mean like children through middle school and high school, mm-hmm. that um that they get a chance to be able to hang out mm-hmm. in the space, um maybe in slightly less structured ways. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about when I think about some of the most important connections that I've made, as a, even as like a younger person, um, in my 20s and 30s, having the freedom to just connect with other people over a common interest, or be, you know, obviously not everyone is necessarily as like gregarious as I am, but really encouraging that um, that sort of open connection time and building that into whatever events are happening. Um, and, that's, and that's a really amorphous answer. but no. so much of our so much of our connection is like really highly structured these days, partly because we live further apart and we're more isolated. And so I think in some degree, we've lost the art of just like hanging out and being people together. Mm-hmm. So place, places, creating spaces and creating events where people can just hang out and be people together. Mm -hmm. um I mean that facilitates understanding on so many levels Mm -hmm. because if you can see each other as people then I mean I think you've you've made a lot of progress
0: what do you hope to see from the arts within your own community within the next five to ten years being that you are so involved in your community I really want to see a multidisciplinary art space
1: and and I mean music theater fine art all integrated together into some kind of a community space where things are open to the public, um, where there's a chance for artists to gather and critique each other's work and workshop each other's work and make it better, where um, where people are invited to to tell their stories um, and given a platform. I mm-hmm. I really think that that. That is just extremely powerful. Like we, we don't necessarily need fancier stuff, mm-hmm. but that I mean we also we also need spaces for that. No, no, no I'm gonna revise that. Okay? okay, we we just need more of everything. <laughs> I'll say that we need more of everything. Um, I don't really think that you can fail if you're just mm. making more art and you're finding more places and more nooks and crannies to put it. Mm -hmm. And that can mean like public art, like murals. It can mean just encouraging your friends to try it and not be intimidated by it. And it can mean um, taking a class or making more classes available uh, to folks who can't afford art classes or art supplies, making Mm -hmm. those supplies available, available to people who wouldn't otherwise make those supplies, because those are voices that are fresh and new and that have a different perspective than people who are familiar with all of the ways that the art industrial complex works. Mm-hmm. So just more of everything, you guys.
0: So, Jocelyn, how have you put your own work within your community? What opportunities have presented themselves to you, and especially being that you moved here and, and things like that? Well, this is gonna let me give
1: some mad props to Dick Nelson down in Johnson City of Nelson Fine Art because he's the one who first gave me a solo show back in 2016. Um, and I had been actively working to get back into making art. I, you know, I had this art degree and I took this detour into some other career. And I, I was like, no, I need to get serious about this. And so, um, so I was showing up for Dick's events and like talking about my work and just getting excited about doing all of that. And then he had somebody cancel, and was like, "Hey, can you can you make a bunch of stuff for a show in like August or something?" And I was like, "Yes!" And, <laughs> I, and I just went and did it. So, um, I mean, that that got my work seen, and that was a huge thing for me to develop a theme and like um, and start the whole process and start my journey into really digging into alternative processes and developing my ideas, um, and in many ways, I still feel like I'm kind of a baby artist because I took that detour for quite some time (laughs) and then came back to it. Um, But hopefully other people can get some inspiration from that. Like, you can take a detour and come back to it, it's
0: fine. So Jocelyn, you talk about chronic illness through your work, and when you're talking about chronic illness, being that it is an emotional topic, do you ever feel the need to take a step back from that creative process? Or is the creative process the catharsis in it, in and of itself? You know, it's not an either-or thing. It's okay. absolutely both.
1: Um, it's su- it's such a difficult topic because um, it's super vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we all live in these mortal bodies, and we're all decaying at different rates, and everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I mean, like, and in some ways, I really hesitate talking about that aspect of my work because it can really make people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um, because it's it's just, it reveals how much of a struggle everything is. But at the same time, I know that I've had some responses to my work where people have been, been like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm experiencing something very similar. This is totally what it feels like. And it's so important to not feel alone in this world and to remember that you're not alone. And that has been really a huge driving force for me to keep going mm-hmm. and to keep talking about mm-hmm. how chronic illness chronic illness shapes everything i do i mean it, it actually really shaped eat art space because oh. yeah i mean i i really struggle with my energy levels i have to budget my time very carefully and make sure i don't push myself too hard mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. learn that the really hard way and so um, it feels really self-serving just to be like, "Come to my house, you guys," because like I just can't go out there and meet you. <laughs> you know, like, um, it it was a way for me to bring art to myself partly, mm-hmm. but then I knew that like, you know, I can't just do it for me. I've got to do it for other people too because, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not the only person who struggles in that way. So so I designed Eat Art so that I could do it sustainably because I know that I ne- couldn't necessarily show up. Um, for other things in the same way but I could do it this way Um, and the same for my work like I work out of my home because if I have an external studio that's like a drain on my energy and time that I don't know that I can pay for Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, and right now my work is literally about like collaging my life together It's, Hmm. it's about taking you know trying to find this place that I exist in that feels like no other place that I know. So, right now, my new series is about like um, trying to generate a vision of like a hopeful place that I can exist in my illness, um, mm-hmm. and piecing that all together through the, the scraps in my studio and transforming all of this medical detritus that I have <laughs> lying around in my house from all all kinds of treatments and and a lot of it is kind of weird like I'm self-conscious about it like I save the I save the arm wraps from when I give blood mm-hmm. I save all my prescription bottles and I make stuff out of it because we our, our struggles are what make us and mm-hmm. our struggles can transform us and so really I'm just trying to understand and articulate the the transformation of suffering and struggle into something Beautiful or interesting or challenging, and, and also the paradox of being fascinated yet horrified and um, defined and yet also not defined by that struggle. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's really yeah. complicated. And of course, it intersects with like, you know, political, economic, and financial aspects Absolutely. in this country as well. So then there's like all that heavy stuff piled on top of it. So, yeah, I do have to step back sometimes mm-hmm.
0: and just like take a chill pill and <laughs> and then come yeah. back to it but you're in that way because your work is so relatable i mean you're able to curate community not just through inviting people into your home for eat art space but you are also curating community through your work and there's mm. a lot to be said for that Um, I feel like I say this every episode, the world needs more empathy. Mm -hmm. And art can give us another person's perspective, but it can also be so relatable that we feel like, as you said, we're not alone. Yeah. And we need more connection like that. So sometimes curating connection is is enough. Yeah. No, that's a really insightful thing.
1: I'm really driven by connection because, I mean... I couldn't study art without the the language mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was important to me to communicate something mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. know I mean and even if you're not necessarily trying to communicate something you're still communicating yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say to someone who is thinking about being an artist right now whether that's going and like being an artist being an art historian being a curator or anybody who's thinking about going into a creative field, but is maybe a bit more apprehensive. I think, you know, finding, I think finding confidence
1: in your own tastes and your own drives is really, really huge. Um, especially in in creative fields that involve commercial work and following fashions and trends, that can be really challenging because you are encouraged to shape your work towards those fashions and trends. Mm-hmm. And that also happens in the fine art world and in other things. And, and it is important to pay attention to that stuff, but you also have to trust your own creative tastes and your own creative impulses. And um, find find the balance between maybe like, staying aware of the, of the popular things mm-hmm. and loving on the things that you really love and mm-hmm. cherish in your practice, whether that be a medium, or a style, or, um, or a, a subject matter mm-hmm. that you're really fascinated with. Because all art, all really good art that I've seen, comes from like people being all in on something and just persisting in that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you have to be willing to zero in on something Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying you know specialize but I'm saying that like having loving attention to the things that you want to make and the things that you are fascinated by Mm -hmm. will make your art better and will and will drive you and that should be your guide Mm -hmm. also just start (laughs) (laughs) like you don't need permission Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't need permission you can just put a mark on paper Mm -hmm. you know or take that take that online course and play around like you don't have to share it. nobody's watching you do it just
0: for you jocelyn where can people find you maybe not at your physical address <laughs> you don't have to give that out to the radio world well, but <laughs> uh,
1: my my instagram and my website and facebook and tiktok are all the same thing and it's jocelyn matthews Either .com or whatever, but I have to spell it for you because my last name is weird. So it's J O C E L Y N M A T H E W E S. So if you just want to think about, you know, female sheep doing calculus, then you can remember how my name's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm Jocelyn Matthews, and um, on all the all the things. So you know. Hit up that Google. <laughs> and the do say hi. Like, I really, really, I love it when people email me. I love it when people message me. Like, I like meeting new people. Whee! <laughs> uh, well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is just, like, this lights me up. I love talking about this.
0: <laughs> Wonderful! I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. We're curating together. Yes! Yes. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Art Speaks.